for as painful as we think it is, it's it's so beautiful. I mean, they completed their their cycle. I feel like I'm in the New York Marathon and and I'm a volunteer and people just left and I'm cleaning out like the garbage on the floor and and I'm feeling so much gratitude that I get to be cleaning up for somebody's finished race. Am I the only uh, second time invited guest? That's what I want to clear the air with because I did, for those listening, I texted him like being super excited. I'm like, oh my God, you're the second guest. And I realized, wow, it's not the most ideal reason to be a second guest on a podcast like this. So I do want to thank you for coming on here. And, you know, you were really willing to come on. I didn't even have to ask you to come on, yeah. which I thought would be too soon anyway. So why did you want to Well, um, my mom... She uh, she passed away on um, March 13th. So tomorrow, it'll be a month because today is April 12th. And um, yeah, she died at home in Miami. She was having a cancer experience that took over six years on and off. And the past year, well, let's go back a little. Well, you know, my dad died three years ago of leukemia. And it was weird because they both kind of bookended the pandemic. He died in 2019. Right, right before the beginning, thank God that he didn't have to go through that. And then mom died now at the end. So, um, so <laughs> it's been it's been death, pandemic, death. But thank God again. There's so many things to be grateful about, man. Thank God that she passed when we were at the tail end, where she didn't have to be in a hospital and completely isolated, and I would have not seen her. So she died at home in in peace. Just like, you know, it's like, you you know, you, you have your dream wedding. She had her dream death. Like she, she really did. She, she yeah. just wanted to be at peace and calm. And she had a hospice thing, which I learned so much, by the way, like the human body, when, when you die of, of, by, by, you know, natural cause and, and whether it's cancer or terminal illness where you have hospice, which is basically a nurse that's just like pain monitor, right? They're just giving you morphine every four, two hours. They're basically shutting down your body you know? And, um, and when they shut down the body, they just want to make sure the person is comfortable. And if there's too much phlegm, they clean the phlegm. And at this point, the body, you've lost conscious. I mean, I was kind of joking, but my Bob was very weak at Bur Bernie's <laughs> for the past <laughs> two weeks. I was like, okay. You have sunglasses on. Yeah, it's but, and I love my mom so much, right? She's my, so yeah, it was a month ago. It was at three forty in the morning. Um, the hospice nurse woke me up at 3.30 in the morning and she was like, I think it's time. And I didn't notice this, but a day before, I randomly had this desire to buy flowers and I put flowers all over her room and I um, lit incense and candles and I gave her a ceremony without even doing it on purpose. And then I had Alexa put classical music, which is the, the music that I used for the documentary that I filmed about her a week before she died. So yeah, so around 3.30, she woke me up. I went to see, I just sat with her and watched her take her last breath, you know? And then once that happens, there's like a whole protocol where they call, they have to call the hospice manager. They have to come in, verify that she's dead. And then, then the, the, it was literally like these two guys, it looked like men in black. These two jacked up guys wearing all black with mask on. And and then they just put her in a, put her in a bag and like, I was just going to say it was, it was beautiful until you said it like that. But uh, <laughs> so uh, does that help with the, I mean, I feel like that transition has to have some kind of effect on the after effect on processing it now or too soon? Yeah, no, it's the whole thing was so like, I could feel everything, right? Like it was so, it was like magical in a weird way because even, so the, the last year I've been going to Miami every month, me and my sister, my sister lives in New York and I live here in LA. So we've been, kind of just taking turns. I'm here this week. She's here next week. And then mom can't be alone anymore. And, and man, I, I, I gotta tell you, like when, when you have a parent that, that leaves through some sort of illness, it's a very delicate thing, you know, because you don't want to do it wrong and, and carry that guilt with you after they're gone. So it's, it's, my heart goes out to, in a way, I actually feel like I finished the race and I don't have to do this race anymore. And my commitment is to really be there for my friends and for whoever that is um, about to lose a parent and, and just kind of coach them through my do's and don'ts. And, and I have to tell you, I, both my sister and I, we just, we're so proud of ourselves. Like we just really 
we were there for her. You know, we made sure she was taken care of and, and whether it was financially or whatever. And, and I get it. You know, people, people have to do what they can. I'm not by any way, shape or form saying you need to support your parents. You just have to do whatever it is that you can. So what are the don'ts before we get to the do's? When you have to take care of a sick parent, you, you start thinking like, well, what about my life? What about, what about, you know, you just always have to put things into perspective and be like, am I going to look back at this and wish that I had gone to some vacation with a friend? Or am I going to look back and, and think like, oh, you know, all the times that I helped, but I was like annoyed or I had to be there. Like, you just got to always check yourself and put things into perspective and be like, I'm going to probably look back and and regret if I don't spend this time with her. Or So that's the don't is just, you got to just, don't take for granted that this is a temporary uh, situation, that it will change and they will disappear. And the deuce is just like really connect to the fact that, man, that is the person that gave you birth, you know, whether it's your mom or your dad. And it's like, you wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them. And just kind of keep plugging into that thought. Right. During her last remaining days or weeks, she was cognitive. She was with you? She was, you know, this documentary that I filmed about her, I, I did one about my friend's mom four years ago. And um, she also died 12 days after we shot it. You know, she had a cancer that metastasized. And it's so crazy. Three days after we shot it, she just, her health went completely south. She couldn't talk anymore. And then it was just like, you know, like pain management up until she died and she lost consciousness. She actually had a suicide party here in LA because it's legal. So she had people come over. I had a shaman come in. This is, about, this is not my mom, my friend's mom. Right, okay. And, and she had a shaman come in and people wrote notes and she read the notes. It was actually amazing. Imagine, it's like being alive at your own funeral. Imagine all the love that yeah. dead people are not getting because they're dead and everybody's <laughs> coming. People that didn't talk to you for years are now coming to uh, console your family. So yeah, she had, she had this party and at the end of the night, she took the thing and she was she died the next day, two days after. She, it, her body went into kind of a coma and then she died. So now with my mom, fast forward four years later, funny enough, my mom was 70, just like this woman was when when she died. There were a lot of parallels. And I had the thought about two months ago, I was like, you know what? I need to do one. That documentary I did with, with my friend's mom, I need to do it again with my mom. And this time was easier because I knew exactly what the sound bites that I wanted. And obviously it's my mom. So I knew the questions. I knew how to kind of take the trajectory of her life linearly. And two days after we shot it, she must have had a stroke because she stopped talking. And if you watch this video, she sounds like perfect. So I'm like, I'm like the death video doula. <laughs> death video <laughs> if, doula. if you want somebody to go, call me and I'm, the, I'll do a little film. The new DVD, I guess. Yeah. There you go. Uh, it's so cool. Uh, cool is the right word, but the fact that you were able to celebrate her life like that, I feel like is so rare. I, I haven't heard too many stories of a smooth transition like that. I feel like, you know, the last days are usually just sad and you're waiting for that to happen. But if there was a correct way to do it, I feel like you did it. You know what? We've been working with this woman, Beatrice Alvarez, and she, I'm such a believer, by the way, and I'll, I tell everybody that wants to listen, I'm really big into ancestral healing. Um, because it's tied up to how everything that we experience is tied to our DNA and our and our and our lineage and the issues that your parents had and your grandparents and your great grandparents and if you look at our who we are as people, we're all the descendants of thieves and robbers and rapists that came to this country, colonized. Whether it was the Thanksgiving massacre or in Latin America where the Spanish came and robbed. So imagine if. Imagine if that's what really mental health is about. Like we are having all these subconscious beliefs from our heritage and, it, you know, like murder guilt, but instead it's just, you know, traffic in the 101. <laughs> and like people are, people are plagued yeah. with these, these thoughts. And so anyway, so long story short, if people want to find out more about it, there's a great book you can order on Amazon called Ancestral Healing Made Easy. And it's a journey. And the journey that I do with my healer is very similar to that because you have to write letters to people in your family that have really hurt you, and you let it rip. And you write a letter. A part is you're really petty about it. A second part is that you forgive them, and a third part is that you actually apologize. And I don't know. This is a lot to unpack in one podcast, but let me tell you this: um, with this healer, 
she, she teaches you how to reprogram yourself. Every morning I do a one hour meditation that includes a reprogramming session in which I literally connect with my heritage, with my ancestors and with my... <laughs> I'm sorry, the ancestors that you've you've known or talking about like generations? Well, I go three generations back. I go grandparents, I go parents, parents, grandparents, great-grandparents. I didn't know my great-grandparents, but I still connect with their energy. I, 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 I say their names and, and I, I do these like, literally like <laughs> you envision like, like a sword and you cut the, the, the ties to your uh -huh. energy field. And then you, you literally, you're accessing the subconscious mind. So you picture them going away into the sky. Right. And then you, but you're verbalizing. And if somebody were to ever catch me doing this, would be like, this motherfucker is crazy. <laughs> I'm curious. No, this is super, I've heard of this. This is super interesting. I'm but just... it, David, you don't even know how it's transformed everything. My, my level of love, empathy, like just faith, just this complete faith on just everything's exactly the way it should be. And according to this healer, death, the way we die is very tied up to karma. And not not just like karma, like, oh, you were bad, you're being punished, but karmic ties. So people that have really violent deaths, sometimes it, there's, you know, the, there's a theory that's connected to not letting go or karma from a past life. So I think my mom really worked on cleaning all that up because her, her death was just so like tranquil and peaceful. So you're saying the way someone dies could yeah, be tied to tied up. So like my dad. Right, right. Well, well right, because your dad, it, one would think it was a really violent death, right? But at the same time, it was fast. We hope. Because yeah. I've actually heard different... So there's been... If we're, yeah, yeah. we're in this conversation yeah, yeah. in regards to like... Uh, yeah. We're not talking about like real estate. No. <laughs> no. Which we will in a little bit. Yeah, I mean, maybe the story appreciates somehow. Uh, hopefully people appreciate no the story. Happy. There we go. I thought that was a good joke. Yeah, anyway, good. thanks. So I'm saying in regards to my dad, I've heard uh, whether through people want to believe it or not, mediums and people that have kind of connected with me. And there have been a couple different similarities about a blow to a head, blow to the head. If my mom or sisters are listening, you have to correct me outside of this, but there was a blow to the head and there was some moments in between where it was like, okay, maybe, maybe it was the instance when he died clearly had to be quick, but in regards, he was so high up on the 105th floor that my thought, which makes sense, there was rattling and shaking and cause the plane hit underneath him. So I don't know what kind of effect it has to his floor. Therefore, maybe he got knocked over in the middle of it. So maybe things happened on his floor that potentially wasn't quick. Why are we talking about this? We're talking about the length of death, the, the length of death and, and like whether it's a punishment or not. Do you believe or, in that? Well, he, and here's a to to you know to kind of just keep on packing your dad's situation. It was still quick though. Right. If you think about it, it wasn't right. more than 20 minutes, right? Yeah, I mean, 840 his his got hit first, so his is probably longer. Tower one stood a little longer. We're, I'm I'm talking about when it's years of cancer. Oh yeah. I mean, no. that's like, that's, you know, for example, you, you hear about, you know, this is where real estate and death kind of merges. Remember go. that that building in Florida, in Miami that fell? Yeah. Remember the, was it Sunny Isle? I don't know. Just the ceiling fell on your head. That's, that's quick. It, when, when, when people were like, oh my God, how horrible this, this family was just having breakfast and the thing just fell on their head and they died. I was like, oh my God, that's like grace. Yeah, yeah, the quickness. Yeah. Yeah, it's like- You know what I thought it was? A, there was a, a story about um, this gay couple from Argentina that brought their five-year-old daughter and they came to Miami to get vaccinated and then they died in that building. Oh, you that's a true story? Yeah. Don't get vaccinated, people. <laughs> Is that the premise? <laughs> I don't know. It's just the irony, no, that, right? That that you're coming to elongate your life, and then you came to your that's to your ironic. death trap. See, that's that's a, we're 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 going off sideways, which I like. This is fun to me. Uh -huh. um, I was in Santa Barbara this past weekend, and that's where my one of my really good girlfriends. I used to hang out with her all the time when I meet her. She used to live up there, and she ended up getting hit by on her little moped uh, some years ago and died at twenty, like late, like she's in her twenties, young girl. And the reason I'm bringing this up is just kind of relating to your story about the building. Like, I try to have faith, and I, do, I think I do have faith, and I look at the optimism. I think there's so much beauty in this world as there is evil. But when I think about death and people getting their lives taken in instances like that, I have trouble looking at it in a positive way. Obviously, the, she had a significant impact on people around her. She was a, truly one of the most beautiful people ever I've ever known. But she just got hit by a car driving home from work. How do you explain? Like, is there even 
try to explain something like that. And I'm, the only reason I brought that up is because it's sort of like, okay, they drove here to get a vaccine, then they happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Like, how is that explained, or do you just not explain it? Well, well, we can we can we can have theories about it, right? But we'll never really know. And you know, it's interesting. That's one of my mom's. One of the last things she said was that she's in her last stage. She has cancer. And she has faith that there's something powerful, but she doesn't know what it is. And the reality is that we don't know, you know? So I, I like I like that authenticity about it. Because even though, you know, I, I work with this healer about it, right? It, we're talking about like past lives and you're, she's actually really funny because I'll be like, for anything and everything, I'll be like, oh yeah, you know, last night I had like this pain in the back of my neck. And she's like, that's because in your past life, your <laughs> wife caught you cheating, having sex with a maid and she sliced your throat in half. I was like, really? Not because like I was sleeping uncomfortably in my past <laughs> life. But one morning I just woke up and I was like, ah, same thing. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, I you you take things with a grain of salt. And I I believe in this stuff. And and then you wonder, right? Is it is it working because it's real or is it working because I believe in it? And then it's working. That's kind of what we were talking about in here. We're looking at symbolicism and was this synchronicity or is this like, I'm just creating this in my head to create a, give it meaning. Yeah. Is, uh, is ancestral stuff the same thing as past life regression and those two different things? Um, it's linked, but it's different because you do have, um, no, no, no. You, you have the ancestral, which is like mom, great grandparents, great grandparents, but then you also have past lives. Oh, our past lives. Our own past so lives. That's the difference. Okay. It's exactly. Big yeah. Difference. So so what you do, you kind of go for the one-two punch. <laughs> yeah. You want to reprogram past lives and then also clean out any kind of ancestral patterns that you have. Do you think they ever commingle where it's like you're in your past life? Holy shit, there's my grandpa. Yeah, I think so. I think like I think that you come in maybe like some sort of like soul clusters mm-hmm. where you're kind of dealing with the same people or same souls all over again. According to this woman and to the theory is that, like, for example, let's say you see somebody at Starbucks and they're in front of you in the line and you'll never talk to them again. They never talk to you. That's somebody that you completely cleaned up your anything with. So you don't have to deal with them ever again. How, like intuitive, like accidentally? What do you mean you cleared No, like, like in your past life. Like oh. you guys had something and it was squared away. So you never have to deal with that person again. What if you so like- any so anybody that you have anybody that you interact with in your life, you you came to sort something out. Especially the ones that you love the most, and especially the ones that you hate the most. Every interaction. Every interaction. Huh. Yeah. I don't really understand. Of course, that. I could, well, I mean, it's just a theory. <laughs> so many theories. I, mean, I, I guess I love theories. If you if you resonate to something, then so be it. That's interesting. I need to I need to check out her book. It's called. It's ancestral healing. Yeah, ancestral healing. It's a popular book, no? Yeah, well, it just came out actually like a few months ago. But but it's else. not the the woman that I go to. Her name is Beatriz Alvarez. She doesn't. I'm always recommending her, but she doesn't speak any English. Oh, that's a problem. So to all my Latino friends, I'm always like, oh, that's okay. Um, <laughs> but th- I found this book that kind of teaches you the same thing. And um, and listen, I don't know. Going back to to what I was saying before. I don't know if it's if it's real or it's real to me because I believe in it so much, but I I feel so like present in my life. And I feel that whether it is like signs that my mom's like around me, I'm constantly seeing them. Like her name is Yolanda. Like last week, like I want to get a fire pit. I went on Amazon. I saw I saw this one fire pit and I clicked on it. It said the Yolanda piece. Oh. Like it's just but then you think, right? Is that my subconscious that's kind of creating all these different um, Yolanda moments? Maybe it is. Maybe maybe it's not. Who cares? Yeah, I think it goes back to if you give it meaning and it feels real, then it's real. Plus, every like we're going. I love this. We're going so deep. the The idea that everything is energy. If everything is energy, and we're all and they're all in same frequencies, and they're everyone's connected in that sense, then I, that's why I'm a believer of that stuff. As as simple as it seems. Um, so it is a blending of, okay, is this just me giving this meaning or is this a real synchronicity? But at the end of the day, if you if you believe it and it feels right, then that's it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I think if you believe it and I think that I, – I, I do think like our life experience is always tied up to our belief system. Okay? Yes. So if you think that people are out there trying to scam you, then that always turns out to be your reality. If you believe that people are good in nature and 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 they always have your back – 
then, you know, even those hard lessons, you might actually look at the positive and be like, oh my God, I think I, like, I know this is so trivial and random and maybe a little bit to LA, but I think about what happened with uh, the whole Will Smith thing at the Oscars. Mm -hmm. And for me, right, and I'm not talking about you or anybody else, but for me, that was such a powerful lesson on how one can be so excited about a night, right? Like you're going to get this accolade, your whole life's work, your whole brand is wholesome. You just wrote a book called There's a Win, There's a Will, There's a Way. I mean, yeah. and then it could just go fucking sideways so fast. And, and it's not even like, he didn't even have a choice in the sense of it was so reactive that your mind just went into just over, like, cruise control and he just did that and he probably realized that like 15 minutes later like once he sat down he was like oh, i can't believe i just did that but i've had we've all had those situations where we go in like oh man this is gonna be the best night and then obviously you get arrested or whatever so to me the takeaway for me was man you can't take this thing too seriously it's because it could go sideways so fast. We were literally, I was just talking about this with my girlfriend last night. We had like a deep conversation in the car where it was the exact same thing. I referenced Frank Sinatra's songs, Riding High in April, Shot Down in May. And that's like, that's <laughs> life. And I, yeah. I guess what we didn't tap on is what you just said. You can't take it too seriously. And I feel like you just got to stay, you got to stay, you really do got to stay centered because you're, you're going to ebb and flow so much that it's uh, when you do take those losses where it just cuts you off, if you're not maybe, I don't want to say prepared for it because I don't know if you could be prepared for it, but if you have an understanding like you're explaining it, I feel like it makes it a little more tolerable. Yeah. And also, listen, finding out how the subconscious mind works is so powerful because I do think that it's almost like th this, literally, this is the matrix. Everything we experience is all from core beliefs. And like, imagine you're like a, a library file system. Everything we expand, experience out here is all belief system. And it's funny, going back on the Will Smith thing, if you look at his Instagram, the last post that he did prior to the apology was a video of him and Jada saying, we're going to cause chaos tonight. We're causing chaos tonight. And it's funny, you don't, you want to be literal with your subconscious because right. when you feed it these things, it might just literally give you that thing that you asked for. Yeah, it's, it's, it's objective, not subjective. Yeah, exactly. It's literally so objective. So it's like what you say to yourself, I'm not good enough. I'm not lucky enough. Like, I'm not saying don't go in the mirror and look at yourself 50 times. You're like, I'm beautiful. I'm exciting. I'm powerful. I'm rich. Even though Bob Proctor, right? I've yeah. He, he does say the power, according to him, the yeah. power is looking yourself in the eyes, whichever. Oh, yeah, yeah. No. Why? I don't know. That I that I believe. I just think, it, it just, listen, there's no right or wrong. It's just that you have to jive with your way of rewiring the subconscious. You know, like I do journaling every night before I go to bed and every morning I'm all gratitude, gratitude list. I'm like, so grateful to be with you today doing this podcast. I'm grateful for this beautiful kind of like chilly weather that's so sunny. And I'm like, man, especially us living in Southern California, right? Like just even being outside, it's just gratitude, right? Like yeah. we're not dealing with, and then when we have rainy days or whatever, we're like, oh, thank God, weather, you yeah. know, change. <laughs> so anyway, so it's just, you. we really have to like um, brainwash ourselves to, to look at the positive and that's what we're going to experience. Yeah. And it's interesting what you said about the subconscious mind, because I don't think people realize that. And I've definitely learned that over the years of how your subconscious mind takes things. Literally, there's no good or evil, right or wrong. Yep. It's just, it's Literal. habitual. And it just, and I've heard that like 90, 95% of the way we live is due to our subconscious mind. Oh yeah. Like it's the habitual yeah. actions we do. And you think about things you do over and over again. It's like driving in a car you know, when you zone out and you just drove three miles, like, I don't even know how the hell I got here. It's your subconscious mind intentionally taking over the wheel habitually. And that's kind of a good analogy yeah, to know, me. Knowing how to drive. It's, it's, it's so hard. Remember learning how to drive, how difficult it yeah. was? Like, when do I stop? When do I go? Imagine your, your subconscious mind just said, I'm taking over this machine. That's what it is. And we're a machine. Yeah. We're a machine. I, I, I truly think we're more like a computer. It makes sense when people say our body operates, our mind operates like a computer. Just like you could program things, you can uninstall them takes time it's a little harder with us that's the thing it's it's um oh, what's the word it's it's compound i'm telling you, you the gym is the best uh, ana uh analogy like dude you, you don't like do the best berries workout and then you're like ah that's it i got the best body you got to do that thing every day for like a month right? right and then once you get that body 
You don't go, okay, great. Now I have the body. I'm done. No, you got to keep going. Yeah. The mind is the same. Like being, whether it is being positive or a meditation practice that allows you to be less reactive, that's, you never graduate, man. Yeah. You just got to, and, and you know, whether it's therapy or if you, you, you take on personal development by yourself through courses, whether it's anything, landmark Scientology, whatever floats your boat that works you got to do it and and you got to do it um it's got to be a practice yeah that's the best way to put it it is a uh, i think people look at quote unquote some of the most enlightened people i think there's a mirage thinking that oh they must be happy all the time oh it's not God. true I, I the way i look at it is i think when you when you get to a certain when you start grow you see the discipline you start see the feeling of growth emotionally or however you want to put it i think there is a time where maybe these things that still trigger you or you might that might swerve you a little bit, but maybe you get a little better and quicker at getting past it. And I think that's the improvement you can see. Something that maybe affected you for a, a week or two weeks and brought you down, maybe it's only a day now. And then after yeah. that, I think you just get better at handling yeah. it, but you're aware that life's going to throw you shit no matter at what age or point you are in your life. For me, it's like a two-part thing, right? Because I can be aware that I'm triggered. Like I can have, like I, the other day, this friend of mine, she, she, I was talking to her on the phone and kept going from her Bluetooth to her thing, to her thing. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. And I'm like, okay. And I was getting so triggered. But, you know, by just the freaking earbud. And I and I said, man, you, you're you just, you're triggering the shit out of me right now with your with your earbud, earbud thing. And I'm thinking like, I'm telling you about my whole mom's death and I feel like just completely like you're shitting on it. And it's so powerful that, this situation is making me that I'm making myself feel like that. And you have nothing to do with this. Not your fault, your earbuds, but I'm telling you. How. So anyway, so I'm really aware that it's not her, that I know what's bothering me, but, I, but it's still bothering me. So that's where like, you're on the, you're, you're on the path, but it's still, there's more practice to be done. And you know, and sometimes you're not going to get triggered and go you, you know? And then sometimes you're going to fucking lose your shit and, and you got to also be compassionate. Yeah, I get frustrated myself when I get frustrated at other people's actions. It's like, that's not... I mean, granted, some people are assholes and some people do things that are just like... But at the same time, even when they are, it's like there's we do have the choice to be like, all right, well, I mean, it's it's all external. And I, there's so many things where it's just external, external. that really has nothing to do with us. It's all... It's everything. Everything is inside of us. No matter what the hell happens or how, how bad life gets... It is wild to me that we truly have the power to block it out, even though no matter how horrifying something can happen, it doesn't seem like how can you? I think it sounds crazy to say how I, I'm not going to let that affect me, but you, we do have the power. But it's like a constant, like you said, a constant uh, workout of your brain to get to that point. Yeah. It's not easy. Yeah, no, and it's I'm telling you, it's subconscious mind. It's subconscious a subconscious mind. because, like, I even think like you know, if you go to a therapist or a psychologist, it's like yeah, they can. They can, you know, it, definitely it helps, man. And, you know, communicating about what's going on. But what about the stuff that makes no sense? Like why you're so triggered by things that, that's where I think that the work has to be a little deeper. Yeah, the things that make no sense, I do make sense if you if you do go deeper and you start realizing, I feel this, then it's like this art of, I guess, deduction. And then you finally get to the source. Like, oh, that's why. I was just watching, you see Molly's game? Yeah, yeah. I was just watching that the last scene with her and Kevin Costner, and he like gives her the free uh, psychiatry lesson at the end, and he breaks down why she was doing things, and he was like, "Oh, it's because you were." I think he said something of the sort: "You're looking to control powerful men." She's like, "What the hell are you talking about?" It's like that doesn't make any sense. But then he broke it down. It's really based on how her father deal with her. So it's that constant. Oh my god, it really was from that. I'm doing this my whole life, and she never realized that it was due to the way her father raised her, and that was just something subconscious that she never realized. And it went even further that he said that she saw him cheating on her mother, but she doesn't remember it because she was so young. But he, she saw it, but didn't recognize at the time because she was like five years old. But subconsciously, that was planted in her and that controlled the rest of her life and her actions and what she was doing. Just in that one incident at five years old. And I feel like at that, especially at that point of her life, so much of her subconscious mind is formed to habitually decide how we're living our life today. But like you said, it can be, it can be kind of reprogrammed and unlearned. And to add to what you're saying... That's almost like recognizing that, oh my God, like, you know, using the gym analogy, right? Like, oh my God, is when I start doing berries that my body gets really lean. <gasps> but that doesn't mean that you're going to go back to berries. 
So right. a lot of times when we when we identified what triggered the behavior, like you got slapped when you were three and therefore by by you know a school teacher and therefore you don't trust women. Yeah. And let's say we go deep and you figure it out. <gasps> Remember, so what? You're still not gonna trust women unless we go to the root on on the this whole compounding thing on mm. on working with the subconscious on a daily basis. You're gonna keep that pattern alive. Right. And that's the thing. It's like to identify the problem or go back to that moment where it happened, in my experience, everything is in my experience. I don't think it's good enough. I think that it's a practice that we need to keep going. For the rest of our lives. For the rest of our lives. And that's where it's challenging. Yeah. You right over there? Yeah, yeah I'm gonna come in <laughs> for a moment. I was like, oh my God, I lost my hearing. I think you're right. But back so all encompassing, all this work that we just discussed and the ancestral stuff. Yeah. For the two listeners that are left. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, we came here to talk about your mom and everything. So for another green, they're so deep. Yeah, why these guys are like so smart. Uh, I wonder what they do. Yeah, they don't do real much. Estate. Um, <laughs> hey, we're balling so hard. We take two hours in the middle of the day. Yeah, to exactly. Talk about life. I don't want to get a second vanilla latte after this too. Uh, all this work that you've done, how did that affect you? Because it's only a month ago you lost your mother. Uh-huh. How did that Tomorrow. affect? A month ago, tomorrow. Sorry, yes, we clarified that. <laughs> How did that affect your process now? Or even, this is a two-part question, the loss of your dad. Let's start with that. The loss of your dad three years ago, right? Yeah. How did? What was the difference there in regards to how you're able to process your mother's death? Well, let me tell you. I, I was telling my sister yesterday, I don't think I ever went more than three days without talking to my mom. We never even got into a fight. I think once we didn't talk for two, three days, but we were super tight. And I think that, and my dad and I didn't have that relationship. You know, maybe we just, we can go a week, a week and a half without talking. I stopped living with my parents since I was 12 because I moved to the United States and they were in Venezuela. But definitely my dad almost like eased, got me ready for my mom's death. So I love my dad for even doing that on a soul level for him to choose powerfully to exit three years before my mom's had it been my mom first i would be like in a straight jacket you know with my dad i I had the privilege of being his his, uh, stem cell donor so i felt like um i felt really proud of myself again that i gave it a really good shot but it was the you know it, it, it was the first parent so it was um it was hard it was like this this pain and there was a lot of and there was regret because we weren't super tight so I did have the mental conversation about I should have tried harder, you know, even though my, you know, my dad was super, he was your typical Latino, a little bit machismo, a little bit homophobic, a little bit racist, a little bit, you know, and I'm gay. So once we, we, we kind of had a heart to heart because he made kind of a homophobic comment and I was like, wow, that's really great to tell the person that's about to give you his stem cells in two days. So when we, <laughs> by the way, it's Coachella weekend and I didn't go to Coachella because of you. This is <laughs> the mind. That's exactly what I was thinking. And yeah. I had artists pass. Yeah. <laughs> so I was okay. like, Motherfucker. <laughs> so, um, but we cleared it out and, and, and he said, I'm so proud of you. And, and, uh, and he was always there, man. My dad was always there. Um, but it balanced since I was a stem cell donor. I felt like you know what, maybe I I didn't call that much, but I I, I gave him my last kind of everything to make this work. But it's anyway. So he died, and I still had my mom. Obviously, the pandemic happened, which also made me give me a lot of peace because I was like, oh my god, thank God that he skipped this whole nightmare because he would have been completely locked in, secluded. And now with mom, it's been a lot more painful in the sense of like crying all day type of thing. But I feel, I also feel like this huge wave of love has detonated in my heart that I, I want to also tell people that, that for as painful as everybody thinks the death of a parent, they, they call it also the reintegration. So they almost like their energy go inside you. And, and now I feel like I, I'm, I'm them. They say when you lose both parents, that's when you lose the first one as well again. So I do feel like this wave of both of them passing. Really? Yeah but in a beautiful way, not in this painful kind of like I can't go on. And obviously, listen, it's my experience, but I do feel this, you don't, 
for as painful as we think it is, it's it's so beautiful. I mean, they completed their their cycle. You know, I feel like I feel like I'm in the New York Marathon and and I'm a volunteer and people just left and I'm cleaning out like the garbage on the floor and and I'm feeling so I'm feeling so much gratitude that I get to be cleaning up for somebody's finished race. That's such a good way to look at it. It's an important way to look at it. It's an important way to look at it. And I wonder how much. You said it multiple times, as you should be. You're happy of how you handled, especially your mom's death. And it's interesting to look at that, how, you know, in that moment, obviously, you're, you want to care for your mom. But I feel like that process, just as important as it is for your mother to trans- transition, it's important for you and your sister to heal moving forward. Because, like, people that, pa- people that pass, like, okay, that's horrible, obviously, and sad and beautiful but we're the ones that continue living. So like we, you know, we, we feel the residuals from the loss of someone. So it's really important to look at it in that way. And I feel like it was as much as it was for your mom, it was for you. And it seems like maybe that's part of the reasons why you're handling it so well. Do you feel like you're handling it so well? Cause, or are you just composed right now? Uh, no, I, I, I do. You know, it's funny. I, a week before she died, I was also in Miami and I was going to the gym and I, and I ran into this guy, Ismail, who follows me on Instagram and, you know, kind of kind of a fan <laughs> so he's like oh my god it's you and i was like oh my god it's me <laughs> and i noticed that he lost a lot of voice. weight he he lost a, he lost a lot of weight and i'm like dude you got so slim dude and he's like yeah i've been doing this training for 40 days from this colombian trainer he sends you the the whole thing for 80 bucks and he tells you what to eat and and you can't drink for 40 days and i'm like man if i do this on monday that means i'm gonna be completely sober when mom goes that's gonna be that's powerful um, huh. so I took it on and literally eight days after I started the, the program, she, she passed, you know, when everybody's like, oh, let's go have a drink. Or I, I went three weeks after she died without any kind of like crutch. Right. And, and I was fully present to feeling the pain without grabbing a glass of wine or, or smoking a little weed or whatever I was there. And I think that really helped the the healing process. So you felt that you felt it as opposed to escapism yeah exactly i didn't i didn't i couldn't i had to be so uh present because i wasn't escaping the the tears and the thing and it gets better and better and better i'm you know i'm going into like you know like i said into a month tomorrow but our our goodbye maybe was just so beautiful and and we were so at peace with each other i mean there was nothing left unsaid and i do like i like what I was telling you earlier, like I do recommend people if you don't have a good relationship with your parents and, and I, and of course, you know, we all have our reasons, but figure it out because once they're gone, you don't want to live with this guilt. You don't want to live with some crazy guilt that you can't get rid of for the rest of your life. Yeah, that's it. And it's like in the moment of pride, everything just makes it, it's easier said than done. But when you do look at it from that perspective, that it's going to be final and you can't say it, that's, that's going to, excuse my language, that's going to fuck you up. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, and then you think like, no, I'm fine. Or they weren't that great to me, but dude, we, our subconscious mind just locks in information that's so dormant and you don't know, like, again, like what happened with Will, with Will Smith, like, you know, something so deep got triggered that he didn't even know was there. Mm -hmm. So I think we just always want to be on the lookout. Who am I not forgiving? Who am I not at peace with? That, um, cause you know, being mad at somebody or not forgiving somebody, it's like you taking poison and you expect the other person to die. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> the art of forgiveness too. I don't know where I was listening. I read something specifically about forgiveness. It's so important because you're kind of releasing negative, you're releasing negative energy when you're holding that anger towards someone. It, it's, I think that's the thing that's so, I feel like the world is kind of getting more and more understanding and maybe more open to the whole energy idea. I mean, it's been around for quite a long time. I, I, for some reason, it seems like even people in my circle are I'm having that conversation more than I feel like I have maybe even like 10 years ago or five years ago. There is an energy to that n- not forgiving someone. When you don't forgive someone, you're constantly like, if I was mad at you for whatever, I'm not, I don't want to forgive you. I'm constantly kind of holding that grudge to you. That's negative energy that's being stored. But once I truly forgive you, that's just more negative energy that's released. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? And I think also to add to what you're saying, Forgiving is also, it's a compound thing, right? Like mm-hmm. I have two friends of mine right now that were like brothers that I'm not in good terms with. And every day in my meditation, I have to like forgive them and send them love because it's still triggering, you know? And I can, and I know when I hang out with other friends and I hear about them, you know, you feel it, you know? And, but the good news is that that doesn't mean I need to call them. And, and I already made my peace, by the way, we talked it out, but 
I don't need to, the, the forgiveness process can be by yourself with the energy, with, with the narrative that, that you have with your inner child. You can talk to them and be like, hey, you know, they're trying their best and, and I have nothing but love for you and, and send that. And, and, and little by little, like the compound effect, it'll get lighter and lighter. But man, it's just, God, being upset. And that's the one thing about my dad, man. My dad had a really violent death because he he was intubated last minute. We're all around the bed. And that's the last time I saw him. He was about to be intubated. He, had, he was signing off the papers. And, and I remember watching him going, man, it doesn't matter. Like everybody's like, oh, I don't want to die alone. Like we all die alone. Like he was surrounded by his kids and his wife. And he was still the one that was getting intubated. So that kind of, you know, debunked that whole theory of you could have a million people. You could be, Chris Jenner, she's still going to die alone. But my dad, when he went out with a lot of rage about Venezuela, about what the president did, about the like business deals that went south. And it's like, but I, I at the same time, though, he, he did the best he could. So that I. It's, it's wild that I feel like your parents had two completely different. Completely different. Completely, one was smooth, yeah. one wasn't. My dad was all good time, loving guy, have fun, beach, drinking. Have, like, he was great. I love him. And my mom was all all spiritual, not really wanting to go out, you know. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of in the middle. <laughs> yeah, kind of in the middle, but you've gracefully handled your mother's death. And uh, it, it seems, if you, especially since you've had all your closure, that's why you're like the perfect example of what you're saying. In regards to having that closure, if you're on bad terms, just like figure it out, hash it out. Because I feel like you're on a, you're still going to have your days, obviously. That's, yeah. that's, that's inevitable. It's just life and grief. But I feel like you almost took like a fast track of at least getting over a big hump of having that closure, nothing left yeah. unsaid, you know? Yeah, because I'm sure you talked to a lot of people that didn't um, have that luxury, right? To yeah. to have the closure, like their parents either disappeared or a heart attack or... Yeah, so like you said, something quick. Like yeah. You don't have that. Yeah. But it, it also goes back to, yes, it was a blessing to have that notice perhaps. So there was that question, would you rather go quick or have, or have noticed that someone's going to die? You ha- you do have time to kind of hopefully hash that out, but even within that is kind of, I think you could hold guilt that okay, I, I it took me until my my so and so's deathbed to really hash this out. So there's a lesson to be had that to fit, just do it now, take action now to settle your debts with people, however you want to call it, because you don't know when that day is. Like you said, you don't you just don't know when it's going to happen, and it's cliche, but that's what it is. Yeah. We don't know when it's going to happen, so I think there's a level of guilt no matter. What like for instance, if I knew my dad was going to pass and I was blessed to have a good relationship with him, I'm just trying to put myself in that shoes. If if I knew he was going to die this week and I wanted to settle things right before he passed, part of me personally, my own, ex- you know, made up experience, I'm like, damn, I. It took me to his deathbed to kind of settle this with him and forgive and release this or that. But you feel so much better if you just handle it now before that day even comes or before that you know awareness happens, right? Just because yeah. you just. That's how we should live our life. And it's easier said than done because we hold on to our own grudges for whatever reason. But letting that shit go, man, just, it, it really helps the quality of life. Yeah. And I, and I think the power of, of letting go also or, or the guilt that we carry is also, it could be tied up to subconscious beliefs, you know, because you could, you can find yourself like creating guilt out of nothing, you know, over and over again in different situations in your life. So that's also a program that we need to, that, Subconsciously, we need to let go of the guilt program. Most of us are wired with it. But isn't it everything? Essentially, everything is programmed. Yeah, is. Everything is programmed. It's that we don't even know, like why I'm mad at my girlfriend, why she's mad at me. We don't. It might not have even been because uh-huh. I left the toilet seat up. It might it. just be yeah. something from the first week 100%. of our relationship. Your shit is. That's a crazy thing. That your shit's not even yours. It's some like grandparents, great grandparents, shit that we're just reliving through the matrix experience of our lives in front of us. So I mean. <laughs> Take that blue pill. <laughs> I feel like it just did. Yeah. I feel like my eyes just went cross-eyed for a yeah. hot second there. Yeah. But but in my experience, I start with my meditation and then and then I do, you know, the other exercises, but it's it's just night and day. And listen, in 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 not just in the awareness of like, oh, I'm feeling this way. This is a familiar feeling, but there's so much more like peace and there's so much more. And now I'm not in the, you know, I used to have this thing where I'm like, oh, I can't wait to move to LA and I want to be famous and all that. And it's like, dude, that's so gone. And I mean, and I still want to, I'm pursuing my greatest life, but without 
this desperation of assuming that if I had that, I would be happier because so, that's not true. So is it kind of a release of attachment almost? Yeah, that's yeah. It it's it's such a it's such a release of attachment and and having so much faith that I'm living exactly the life that I should live. You know, no matter what happens, no matter what happens. I think I think living in LA or except for the ones that are from here. I mean, everyone left their hometowns for bigger, better, right? So we're here in, in this in this advertising ad of like, if you do all these things, you're going to be happier. And you're gonna, if you look this way, you're going to be happier and you're going to be richer. And But again, then someone like Will Smith takes a bullet for all of us to show us that you could be on your Oscar winning night with a family with money in the bank, with a, a a brand that says that you're the most like even keel member of your race. That's mm -hmm. like the most aspirational, and it can go south so fast, so fast. And then the judgment it happens so fast. Obviously, it's easy to probably judge something like that, but then when you look at it in the eyes, the way you're looking at it, it's like you never know what people are going Dude, through. Maybe that was some ancestral like crazy thing that just kicked in that something. that he had no power to. That's the one thing that, and that's obviously, listen, that's not to let people off the hook. Like if you go and stab somebody or if you go and slap somebody in in, in front of the world stage, there's going to be repercussions. I'm not saying that at all, but at least we can stop assuming that that person had control of their actions in that exact moment. Yeah, it makes it look so much worse when you, you define someone like that. Then they do something. It seems so polar opposite. They're like, oh my God, like this guy's yeah. the devil. Yeah. I don't know. What, but what's even more thing. powerful, it's like, you know, in his case, like he was out there, he was going to win the Oscar that night, which in our, you know, world, that's the biggest accolade. But he's gonna actually get something even more powerful than that. Um, as time unfolds and shows what's gonna come from some it's gonna be even bigger where he's gonna look back and be like, Oh my god, that that needed to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, we know he's clearly a fuck up, but um, you know, such is life. What the hell you gonna do? Yeah. So uh, how you feeling? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. I, um, you know, I, I, in the work front and stuff, you know, I've been doing my real estate investing. That's like, there's a lot of great things that, that are popping up that, you know, you were asking me and I told you about my new song. We don't talk about escrow. <laughs> I don't talk about projects until they're completely done. That's not going to be in the meditation, right? Yeah. I got Um, but but I'm like, you know, and not taking things so seriously. If something's looking good, then enjoy the the time that it looks. And if it goes south, then then something else will come. And just kind of going with the flow, you know. I, I'm in I'm in this great relationship. It's been two years. He's awesome. Love it. Um, and he's been really kind of compassionate throughout this whole thing. My mom really loved him, and and uh, day by day, you know, we're gonna go to. Um, the desert for the weekend just for one day um and um uh, and yeah he can't come to miami for my mom doing my mom's service on the 20th uh the ashes who knew that you know, funeral homes are all backed up with like uh cremation because of covid what does covid have to do with cremation is this the most that's efficient just way? like just <laughs> they've just people a lot i guess a lot of older people did die and they've been you know mm. they've doubled their <laughs> their cremation orders yeah the business is booming business so it took like a few weeks to finish doing that Got and it. um so we're gonna go and take care of that love that yeah as long as you're fit you seem good yeah I mean, did you want some tears? <laughs> <laughs> no, I had a feel. I, I knew. It was, it's, I mean, even in talking the first night, you're just a positive, fun person. So I, I think it's when I say positive and fun, you're also means you're able to see the beauty in tragedy, you know. And there's a lot of lessons to be learned there, right? I mean, listen, um, when you live when when you live in a feather nest, right? Like I, I always think about it too. It's like, yeah, if I if I sit you down for hours to watch Netflix and feed you bonbons, yeah, it's nice and cozy, but it's going to destroy your health, destroy your physique, destroy everything. But if I put you in some sort of gym, Barry's boot camp situation, you're going to hate it, but it's going to give you that physical uh, aesthetic and that uh, that health that, that we all want. So being in a feather nest, meaning like life just giving you deals and everything is lovey-dovey, it doesn't build the muscle that you need to handle, you know, losing a mother, losing a father. That's that's like, that's a boot camp, right? I mean, you had that boot camp. Obviously, everybody that's been on your show has had that experience. So it's like, how do we break the the thoughts that we have about the belief that we have on death and really see it as 
the most normal thing in the world, you know? And at the end of the day, I think the answer, the answer I hate saying the answer, but a big tool is just perspective. And it's amazing how much, like a light switch, you literally just change your perspective and it makes sense. And you can literally flip the script. And sometimes it happens like it's literally, sometimes it's an epiphany moment, but it's like, well, how did I not look at it that way? And sometimes it's hard to look at it a certain way because that seems way too optimistic. But in the end of the day, it's just perspective really can shift the mindset in a really big way. Yeah. Perspective. I mean, I was talking to my, one of my closest friends, his birthday was Saturday and he was telling me how his big celebrity client left him the day before and she called him up and and, and he's like, can you believe what, what what shitty timing she always had? And I did this and this. And I'm like, that's the best thing to get before your birthday. Like now you're entering your new year without that energy of this person that was just like always so needy. And, and you know, he's like, oh, I didn't think about it that way. But it is that way. And it's like rejection is protection. We hear it over again. Um, those things that, that you miss out on, it's like you don't know what they – could have been on the other side that five plaques that i was going to get in long beach that i told you about that appraised lower man maybe that was going to be a crazy headache and and, and a permanent nightmare and you know yeah and i uh, I've, I've taken a few bad beats lately and it's i, I know i catch myself like starting down like like that tunnel vision of negativity and and like moping over it but at a point it's like okay sometimes i, I sometimes i'm not even focused on the positive it's also i'm just like okay that happened it's okay next as opposed to being like, okay, maybe I was like, so maybe that's a good reason because this or that. Because I know it was like a listing I should have gotten. I was like, this house is going to sell like hotcakes. What is the positive? Because I knew it was going to sell. It would have been a good deal. But because this happened, I was like, okay, I'm, I just move on. And I, part of me is concerned that I'm not like, I think I'm just letting it go because that's how I feel. But then I'm sometimes like, wait, am I just burying that or am I letting it go? Does that make sense? Uh, yeah. I feel like there's a fine line there because sometimes it shows up later. But I truly feel like I'm just letting it go and. I don't know if it's my perspective, but I feel like that's just life. You're going to get these bumps and bruises, but just take the, just take the optimistic choice. Or maybe it was a good thing because it's going to open this door. Even if you don't know, you don't know for sure it's going to happen. I think that's where faith comes in. Yeah. I mean, you also have to, yeah, I think realizing that tomorrow's not guaranteed. And I mean, what do you want most of your moments to be like? Do you want most of your moments to be like harping, you know, just brewing over things that didn't work out? Or do you want most of your moments to be like, yeah, something else will come. That's fine. But it's weird because we do get paybacks. We do get uh, paybacks from those negative feelings. Like there is like a weird, odd reward to negative feelings. Like, oh, I have resentment for this person. So he deserves it. So I feel good because blah, 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 blah. So there, it's odd that I think that's why sometimes we stay there because there are all these weird, weird like little payoffs, not paybacks, payoffs towards feeling negative. And sometimes that's the easier route than Oh yeah, Being positive. Well, we're we're addicted to our emotional states. Yes. So, uh, whatever. If you're somebody that easily gets triggered, or you find yourself being triggered, or it's like, oh, I knew it. Oh, I knew it. I, I knew this was gonna happen. I knew this was gonna happen. Like you can start seeing how your addiction sets up the stage, so you're constantly being proven right. Mm. So what you want is like, you want to not be right about the things that upset you. Right. So is that just how do you do that? I think it's a combination of like injecting this, whether it, this perspective practice, you know, and constantly being like, for as much as I think like things are not working out, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I have a roof over my head. Yeah. I'm, I'm healthy. I have a great partner. I have a career. I, whatever it, man, it could always be worse. Gratefulness, grateful gratitude. I mean, a gratitude practice. You know, I, every morning I wake up, I write five things on a gratitude journal. Now before I go to bed, I write. 10 things before I go to bed, like the mind starts to get infected with gratitude. And before you know it, you start just, things start coming your way. That's, that's been a, a huge, that's made a huge difference in my life, uh, uh, a gratitude practice. Yeah. I mean, it makes, it just makes sense basically. Like when, I, when I'm doing that in the morning too, which I've started doing the last couple of months, I, I sometimes I try not to do it. I catch myself being mechanical about it, but I need to slow down when I write it out, actually think about it, put myself there. Because at the end of the day, when you're truly grateful for something, you're just in a, you put yourself in a positive state and mood and feeling. So yeah. how the hell is that a bad thing? And that's going to kind of reciprocate, I think, in the rest of your life. Yeah. No, and it's a muscle because you start becoming more grateful and, and then you start noticing that more and more good things are happening. And when bad things happen, you don't see them as bad. You're like, oh my God, I dodged the bullet. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, that's life, baby. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just, I just try to, I just want to flow. That's really all I want to do is just, 
I just want to flow. You know, I was telling somebody about your show yesterday because you said that, you know, every 9-11 people call you and they, they, they send you, um, good wishes and, and love and, and your, your intention was to, to honor people's days, right? As well, because people won't remember when my dad or my mom passed, right? Yeah. And it's like, it was like not like someone died on September 11th, 2002. It was not. Right. That to go, not that, I'm not talking about overshadowing. Mean, I just been like, and it's another day and people don't, I got, I always get those texts every, I'm very grateful. And it's always the same people. And it's, I, I'm more thankful than ever. But at the same time, my dad happened to just die in a public light. Everyone knows 9-11. So that was like part of the reason of doing this show, part of many reasons, but it's like, let's shed the light on other people's story that maybe don't get the headlines. Not that my dad's like the number one poster child that died on September 11th, but I get that attention. Not everyone gets that same text on the same date that your dad died. You know what I mean? So what do you want to do as far as like, I mean, you've created a platform for people to to heal right. essentially and, and talk about things and, and for your listeners to also feel identified with the loss of things, which, you know, we're experiencing loss every day, right? We're experiencing loss of our youth, our health, our parents. And essentially we give back the car and we're like, Ooh, sorry about that. Dad. <laughs> Didn't see that one coming. <laughs> so what's your intention with this? How would you, I mean, if, if you had a magic wand and you can see this go, have you thought about, do you want your own talk show? Do you want like do you want to lead seminars about acceptance? What yeah, do you think it would be? I've thought about it. I think the overall premise, as you just mentioned, is I think I think this conversation could be more quote unquote normalized. It's very specifically, I think, in our country. I think there's plenty of other cultures that celebrate it more for oh, sure. Yeah. So I kind of want to get Egypt is like a huge party. And I want to get those those cultures into my discussion to to do that as well. But I think the long term, I've always envisioned myself speaking. And I think this is a topic that I would like to to speak on, but I think it's going to take time to hone that conversation because it's not just from my own experience. It's also, uh, it's also molded with the people I'm talking to, like yourself. I'm learning so much and I'm seeing a lot of patterns about how people are handling grief in similar ways and how they're overcoming. So there is an all overall encompassing similarity in how people overcome grief. I don't want to say overcome because you always live with it. But I think there's a discussion to be had. And honestly, deep down in my head, I'm like, I feel like I see myself on TED Talks and I've spoke with a couple of people on here that have been on TED Talks and I've, I see myself giving a lecture of some sort. And once again, it comes from my own experience and my own personality, but it's going to come from the people I speak to. So I think there is something to be learned if I can kind of capture everyone's story and and grow that into a discussion. I don't know if it's seminars or something of the sort. I do envision that. But ultimately, I think I don't with this brand, quote unquote, of Dead Talks, I just think it's symbolism of making this more of a normal conversation because it's something it's most rela- yeah, it's the most yeah. relatable thing ever. And I think this discussion could A help so many people that are going through it now that have experienced it. But I really want to capture an audience that hasn't experienced it. And that's really I think it's a challenging thing to do because most people that haven't experienced death, at least in my circle, aren't super vocal about it. Like it's not something they want to talk about. So I think by not to talk about it in a marketing aspect, but like my Instagram and social media where I can do these shorter clips of catching little sound bites of inspirational moments because there's so many great things that you just said. I feel like that's the way to capture that audience. So by this conversation, I thought by making it more down to earth, it can capture a level of entertainment for those people that haven't lost one because my biggest thing is I don't want people to wait for tragedy to realize what they had and take it for granted. Yeah, no, and that's kind of also um, what I told you. One one of my intentions is to really be there for the people in my life that haven't gone through this yet. Or like I have a friend of mine who he just doesn't talk to his parents at all. And of course, you know, one has to be loving and 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 respectful, right? And I've kind of bro- he just he has no interest in developing a, a friendship with his parents. And I'm always thinking like, man, I one day the you don't want to be caught in that, but it's his journey. You right. know, at the same time, we're all under our own personal journey. So what would be one thing that you've, you know, you talk to all these people about the loss of, usually it's probably a mom or a dad. Um, what what would be kind of like a common denominator? A common like, denominator, one of many common denominators. The first thing that comes to mind amongst all my guests is definitely the fact that I think people let themselves feel. I think whether it's some people it took years, some people it took right away. But at some point, I think what I'm noticing at when there was kind of like a trajectory change in their process was when they stopped fighting the feelings they had, 
stopped thinking it was wrong, even though that's part of it. So when they let themselves feel the feelings and just let themselves sit in it, it seems like that's when there was a moment of realization or not an epiphany or just really realizing where the feelings were coming from, whether it was anger, guilt, this or that. So that was definitely one pattern that I've noticed from almost all my guests where they had a moment of clarity, if you want to say, of allowing themselves to feel whatever it was with no judgment, just like sitting in their emotions as opposed to pushing it away or thinking it was wrong, just letting themselves feel whatever they feel. And at that point, it seemed like there was kind of a diffusion of energy and kind of let them kind of relax a little bit. And from there, there seemed to have been a an increase in healing, if you will. So that was definitely one of them. But um, maybe people that weren't used to being vulnerable allowed themselves. To, it's kind of like me, I guess. I never, I'm still working on things, but I, I wasn't one to speak about. I wasn't very vocal. My mom always tried to get it out. And at some point, I just, I don't know what it was. It was just, me at a person don't know what it was, but I got comfortable speaking about it. Um, but that's definitely one of the biggest patterns I saw. People seem to finally dive into their feelings as opposed to pushing it elsewhere. And that seems to be a powerful tool of just getting over anything is letting yourself feel it without judgment, not trying to fix it or force it. Just truly sit in there. It's going to feel uncomfortable, but let yourself be there. And I feel like it's like a little balloon, like slowly letting air out. And eventually you'll you'll start feeling a little better. Yeah, and some cultures do that, right? Like um, my neighbor's this um, Orthodox Jewish guy, and he was telling me that, you know, in his culture, they take a month off of just like having like almost like purposeful crying sessions just to really mourn the the death and and feel it. And I think that's great. I mean, I think it's, there's no right formula, right? I also had another friend that his mom and his grandma died pretty close back to back and he just lost it. He became like a full crystal meth addict and ended up dying of a liver cirrhosis at 45, just like maybe four or five years after the death. So um, unfortunately, um, unfortunately or fortunately, right? Because that was his path. Like that's yeah. like, it. there's a level of like, we don't know what, you know, it's like to turn 98 and died watching the prices, right? <laughs> Sounds like a dream death, but that's not, that's not our path for all of us, you know? Yeah. That's the frustrating part is when, because I truly believe no matter where anyone is in their life, there's, there's always room to change and get better. But that's just part of life of like, you can't, you can't really force anyone to do anything. You can't force anyone, you can beat them with a the hammer, do this, do that. But at some point it's got to be, it's our decision. And that's the sad part about life because you can feel like, the people that are still left here when someone passes for whatever reason or it's just uh you feel like I could have done more, but at some points I guess that's just their path. What are, what are you gonna do? There's only so much you can do. And and yeah, and that's their path. And but you're here. What do you want to do? I mean, you know, we're yeah. we're all still here. Like go for go for it. I mean, it's so funny. It's I think there couldn't be more proof that this is not real than when you lose your parents, right? Because I can't see, I can't touch her. I can't talk to her. She, I can't hear her voice. This is like literally like ready player number one is dead and we're still like in like a video game. So that's a great it, way to look at it. It's yeah. like, God, whatever you got to do, whatever you're scared of, you're going to end up like when I saw my mom take her last breath, I'm like, this is it. This is what I'm going to end up like. Fuck it. Who cares? Like, just go big. Like, put a few more offers on different, <laughs> whatever it is. It's like, what's this whole fear? And, and of course, like back to the subconscious thing. I mean, I'm always going to be able to just maybe go within the parameters of my beliefs, but why not stretch myself into those, those watching that, right? Watching your parent take her, their last breath is so life-changing in, in a good way because it, it makes you just like, so much more braver and 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 now you know that um that's it's gonna end up that way anyway so just go for things it's gonna end up like that so I, when do, i do find those pockets sometimes i come back to it uh where it's like why we're just we're creating all this nonsense that is just fear induced by yourself and it's like well, let's just let go and just fucking try not like you said not take it too serious i think that's a fun thing to do and people look at it maybe desensitized or blah, blah, blah. But it's like, let's just have a little bit of fun and not take it too seriously because we're all going to fucking, where are we going? Yeah. We don't even know where we're going at. That's the thing. We don't even know where we're yeah. going after this. I have some ideas, but <sighs> we still don't know for sure. You know, that was uh, that was my mom's message in, in the video that you didn't watch. I'm going to yeah. watch it right after. Can I share it? Is it like you putting it out there? <laughs> yeah, no? yeah, yeah. Okay. It's, uh, it's on my Instagram. Um, 
at Jorge Perez Jr. But yeah, so her message was like, you know, don't take this thing too seriously. It's like something happens. It's like, oh God, it's like an earthquake. No, just take action. You didn't get that job. Keep going. Yeah, It's so simple, but the stakes are not that high once you know that it's going to end. <laughs> you heard the story of the, I mean, we'll wrap it up with this. I hope I don't butcher this story, so you might want to Google it. Have you ever heard of the Chinese farmer? Oh, yeah, yeah. But go ahead. I, Your listeners need to hear this. <laughs> I don't know if I, they uh, do, because I'm probably going to butcher it. But uh-huh. I believe it was a boy, and a boy and a man. I don't know if they were Chinese or not, but it's irrelevant. <laughs> they're, they're, on, they're on the farm, and all of a sudden, this uh, this horse comes, and and it's, they, they start, you get a free horse, essentially, or something of this sort. I'm going to butcher this. I just realized with the way I started it. And then all the all the people in the in this neighborhood are like, oh my god, look how lucky your son is! Like he just got a he got essentially a free horse out of nowhere. And the father just goes, we'll see. And then apparently he's riding the horse, and all of a sudden he's riding around, falls off the horse, breaks his leg, and he goes, oh my god, you look how unfortunate you are! You just got this horse. You saw your son fell off, broke his leg, and he's and the father just goes, we'll see. And that's when the king and his crew start coming up, start drafting everyone because there's a war coming, and everyone starts all their sons getting picked apart, but they don't pick his son because he has a broken leg or arm or whatever it is. They go, oh my god, this horse came, he fell off, he broke his leg, and the king came to draft your son. And they couldn't go. How fortunate you are! This horse comes. We'll see. And open one of the stories like ups downs. Like we'll just who knows? Like we're just gonna see and let's just see what happens. But just stay kind of like level right there. And just let things come as they go, whether it's good or bad. I I don't know. And trust, right? And trust, just trust that even. When things are looking bleak and that something bigger is going to show up, if if we pull the camera like panoramic, it's all going to make sense why this is happening. I think so. Yeah, like when in doubt, zoom out, kind of thing. But when in doubt, zoom out. Like that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what happened to that boy. Maybe he ended up going to war and he got killed. So I don't know. He, he will see. <laughs> you know. And now he's resting. Yeah. Now- <laughs> Does have to deal with getting old and going upstairs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And his son's the one living and mourning. Yeah. Um, dude, thank you so much for being on here. Dude, um, you're welcome. Hopefully, this will be my, yeah, my last time coming to your show. Let's limit it to a second yeah, time. Let, yeah. Yeah. But dude, thank you. Uh, it's always a pleasure. I haven't seen you in a while. So I'm very grateful that you're Yeah, thank you everything. for doing this too. I I this is part of my healing journey for sure. So I I I thank you so much. Everyone, thank you for tuning in and thank you again, my man. <laughs>